You are listening to the Noisy Narratives Podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. Um, this is Debbie Vallejo, and I am here with Christy and a friend of ours, Stacy, today. Um, is everybody enjoying the weather? It's beautiful outside. Oh Aren't, gosh, we it's Aren't we happy? Aren't we happy? I feel like right now, if we can say we have good weather, I'm just happy. Happy with the spring. Mm-hmm. Debbie, how's um, your week going? <laughs> look at you. Us. You beat me to it. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> See, we're playing that. It's going well. We're dropping this in like a couple of weeks, so this will be a couple weeks out. But we are in the process of moving back into our home, hopefully tomorrow night. So we are exhausted and tired, but um, we are about done with the part of our house remodel where we can't live in it anymore. So Mm. we're about ready. We're getting all our appliances installed um, tomorrow, and our sinks are going to be all hooked up and. So we're excited about that. So as soon as we can get that in, we're, we've been staying with friends who we love. And so we're actually all a little bit sad that we're going to be moving out Aww. a little bit because we've had just one big slumber party the last That's week and fun. a half. <laughs> so, of course, we're all tired because we stay up way too late talking. But anyway, so, yeah, good. it's been it's good. How? What about good. you? How's your week going? Good. It's good. Yep. We were talking earlier about how Gentry thought I left her at church last night. Right. That was funny. My daughter calls me on a friend's phone number. She's second grader. Mm-hmm. She goes, Mom, you left me. And I was like, no, I'm standing in church. And she's yeah. not around me. And I was like, no, no, I'm right here. Well, I don't see you. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, where are you? I'm over by the ping pong table. Come see me. And so she never came. So we hung up. And then I walked over. And she looked a, li- she looked a little teary-eyed. But I didn't communicate with her well on where I parked, where I was going to be, because I changed the routine, and so she did not like that at all. So I might have scarred her for a little bit, and we'll see how it goes next week. Your kids, all four of your kids, though, seem to bounce back from those type of moments pretty quick. Well, I want them to. Like, that's the goal, right, is to... So just even if she moment, does, it'll be very to. brief, I think. Yeah. Well, but those are good reminders, like, oh, this yeah. kid wants me to communicate. Yeah. This kid doesn't care. This kid would be fine. Like, mm-hmm. the others would... If that would have happened to Creighton... He wouldn't even call. He would have just started walking home. <laughs> and then serious. as a mama, you're like, okay, I don't want that to happen. Oh, see that? I don't mind if it's nice. I'd be like, well, good for you. You're like, well, she's not here. I'm just going to walk home. Oh, my word. But then there's days that I'd be like, well, but you need me. You should have called me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But he, he would have just walked home. That really would have called. a great life lesson for your daughter, too, though. Because yes. now she knows that even when you're not right there, you're still there. Yes, that's true. And she was smart enough to, like, go use a friend's Find phone. Like, she knows people delayed, here. Yeah, like, she went mm-hmm. to the person she knows and loves and trusts. And so they called, which was sweet. But that did, I kind of woke up like, oh, that was kind of a, it could have been worse, but it wasn't. Yeah. I'm thankful that she was resilient to call, but I didn't communicate Thought. with her <laughs> better. Sometimes I get Especially in my second grade. I know. But anyway, that's how everything else is going great. Yeah. I could probably do a better job communicating. But yeah. Life gets busy. So stuff like that's bound well, it's like to you, happen at some point. Well, there's four boxes you check and you're like, totally. yes, I did all four. Oh, there's a fifth. I didn't see. Shoot. I forgot about that one. Yep. And that's what happened last night. No. I even communicated yeah. with her teacher. Like I did everything except tell 
her that I parked in a new location. I wouldn't be in the room I was in. It's fine. We're doing great. Yeah. We're alive. We're healthy. It's wonderful. <laughs> but do y'all find yourself, wonderful. though, especially this week with the chaos going on with Ukraine and Russia, finding yourself getting upset over little things and then being like, seriously, this is not a big deal. Oh, totally. I've never. It yes. has resonated with me since Monday. Yes. yes. Where things have popped up in my life and, I'll, and yeah. I will get emotional or I'll get upset and then I have to be like. Absolutely. I am not leave, losing, like leaving my country or yeah. we're not being put on a train to have Our it. Our house isn't getting bombed or yes. my son isn't going to war. Or, yes. I mean, yeah, all of the above. Totally. I, I absolutely agree with that. I didn't, I didn't think it would affect me like it mm. has where I am like, oh, I need, I, this, well, we and doing, I, okay. there was a story that um, somebody, one journalist, I don't even know who it was, who was there on the ground, just did such a good job of explaining literally yesterday, these families were doing this, like playing a sport yes. or going to work like this was their life. And then 24 hour later, 24 mm-hmm. hours later, mm-hmm. like their house is gone gone, and they're in Poland. Yeah. Like it's, or their house is still standing, but they're or, fleeing because yes. of fear and right. they're just scared to death or yes. they're in a city now that was targeted. I mean, and I have to work at not just being angry. It just ticks me off. I'm, I just, but it, yeah, it does bring perspective. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. That's I would funny. agree with it that. It evokes anger out of you. Yeah. I think it's stupid. Mm. I mean, Putin's evil. And it just. Yeah. I just am sad. Oh, like, I, don't, I can't sad watch. too. For Last sure. Last night I got stuck on an Instagram video and I was like, what is happening? Why is he putting a hat on her? What's going on with the dad? Mm. And then I looked down and I was like, oh, he's saying goodbye to his daughter. Yes. Like, yeah, I totally oh. got sucked into it. And then yeah. I was like, oh my God, put the phone down. Go, yeah. go read a book. Because you'll lose sleep. Yeah, because watching that happen over and over again, because they was it was somebody else. There was some journalists on the border, too. And they're just family after family yeah. leaving their yeah. their wives and their children so they can go fight. But I yeah. will tell you, the Ukrainian people and the president the has president. impressed me. He's amazing. Do you know he's Jewish? I was. He's amazing. I didn't know he was Jewish. There's a high Jewish yes. and Christian population in that country. And so they many, all, I mean, they're sweet and kind mm-hmm. people. And I know missionaries over there yes, that have absolutely. So said we. just the country Well, they said is they amazing. send missionaries from Ukraine out. To other places. To other places. Like Especially that's much Europe. of a hub it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. I know. And then seeing all the videos of Christians praying. Yeah. I think that's well, and that's why too. Like when Russian soldiers are surrendering, they're not putting them in jail. They're taking them and they're feeding them. They're giving them tea. They're like bringing them into their homes, and the Russian soldiers are crying because some of them didn't even realize they were going to war because they've been lied to. I mean, the whole thing just because you're right. The whole thing gives you perspective, and you just, uh. But the world. I mean, I feel like hopefully, I really hope they. It stops soon. I just I hope don't it stops. Think it will. I don't either. We know by revelation that's not going to. Praying at some point. <laughs> praying, that's good. We like that. At some point. Yeah. Some. But anyway, but yes, perspective. I think you're right. Which Lynn's is why Stacy's here. Because she brings in a perspective too. Absolutely. I'm glad I can because I'm totally oblivious to the whole Ukraine thing. I can't watch it. But it's <laughs> yeah, hard. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. You got to do what works for you and yeah. helps you get through your day because it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I, I didn't start till probably two days ago where I was like, oh, I'm interested. And then I got sucked in on Twitter. Yeah. And then my husband showed me some stuff and I was like, and I'm out again. I can't handle that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it becomes too much. Mm-hmm. Stacey, how many kids do you have? I have four. They are 33, 30, 23, and 19. You have a 33-year-old? She doesn't look like yes. it, does she? No. Yes. I have three grandkids. 
love it. Your grandma? Yeah. What's your grandma name? Mimo. 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 She said she, her, her joy in that name comes and goes, apparently. She's <laughs> not always thrilled with the Mimo name. Who picked so. Mimo? My old, my granddaughter, my oldest grandchild, um, she, we tried to do me, Mima, mm-hmm. and she just couldn't get it out. She You're was not Mima. a Mima. No. I wanted to be called Precious or Darlin, and mm. didn't happen. <laughs> so, I'm Mimo, and my youngest grandchild is nine, and he thinks it's wonderful to walk through the room. Where's Mimo? Oh. Where's Mima? <laughs> Where's my fishy grandmother? Yes. So it's awesome. Sounds like Mima. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Are they local? One of them is, two of them are about two hours out. So not too far. Too far. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So um, Stacy's here to talk to us about just her testimony, share her testimony, share a little bit about Celebrate Recovery a little bit too, just in how that's played a role in um, her testimony and her recovery. And I'm just going to, as a way of introduction, I'm just going to tell her, tell everybody how I know Stacy. So we came to church here. We've been at church here now for 15 years as attendees, our family. And I was about three years, three and a half years into being here when um, I ended up on staff as the children's minister. But before that, we had worked together some as volunteers. Um, Her and her husband, Mark, were on the first kids team. Well, it was children's ministry back then, but the the team of people that helped with children's worship that was brought in mm-hmm. by um, the previous children's pastor before me. And so when I came on board, I, of course, need, still needed lots of volunteers. And Mark and Stacy were staples in our um, volunteer crew back when it was hard to get people to help with worship and stuff, especially there would literally be three of us up there trying to do ministry trying to do children's worship and stuff with like 120 kids in the room yeah do you remember that yes (laughs) Yes. we were in the trenches together yeah and um they were amazing i could count on them all the time mark always thought he did a horrible job and we but he does great (laughs) and it's funny he's not near as nervous as he used to be he used to get so nervous and he just is amazing but in that process we got to know each other some and i got i got to know um uh, Mark and Stacy in a lot of different ways and um, spend time with them in some of Stacy's testimony. We became friends. And then through the years, just, you know, sometimes we're talking often, other times not as much, just time. We yes, we, yeah. we see each other and sometimes it, you know, time ebbs and flows. But I asked her to come and just share a little bit about um, her testimony and her walking through with depression mm-hmm. and um, anxiety and what that's done in her life how the Lord has worked in her life, um, and all that kind of stuff. So tell us about yourself and your story. So I didn't even know that I had anxiety and depression until I was 30, believe it or not. (laughs) I mean, you can walk through life thinking that you're gliding right along, and then all of a sudden something hits you out of the blue. For me, it was severe, severe pain in my side. It just hurt all the time. I went to several doctors about it, and I had one doctor that said, you know, Maybe we should put you on this antidepressant because it works off-brand to help with pain. So I thought, okay, I'll try anything. And antidepressants are great medication when they are given by the correct physician. Very well <laughs> yeah. said. Yeah. Um, I had, it's called a black 
box effect. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's when you take a medication and it affects you differently. It affects you differently than um, it's supposed to. And for me, I got super depressed. Um, And so I thought, you know, this is helping me a little bit with the pain. So we increased the dosage. And after that, I don't even remember about a, about six months worth of time went by. Can we clarify just, mm-hmm. so you're taking medicine, antidepressant, you take it, you become depressed. Yes. And then somehow you still said, yes, give me more. Yes. Okay. Just making sure I understand. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Okay. Well, maybe you were so yeah. depressed that well, you couldn't make a right Well, it was the doctor. It was his. Yeah. The doctor so thought. Sorry. Right. You should take more, and you agreed because right. you're following your physician's right. Advice. And the pain did go away. It did yeah. help with the pain. Um, mm. It just I didn't realize. It, sometimes when you're taking antidepressants, it messes with your serotonin levels, mm. and it does things that you're not really used to. Yeah. And I became very agitated. I was yelling at my friends, and did you yell at Debbie. Not this Debbie, but I did yell at a Debbie. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember that. <laughs> no, I use language that I don't normally use. Oh, wow. And um, and instead of coming to me and talking to me about it, I remember her telling me that I was crazy and she didn't want to have anything to do with me. So there is a way to talk to people when they are acting strange, and there's a way not to. Mm-hmm. And the person might listen or they might not listen. I can't tell you what I would have done, um, whether I would have believed them or not. But what did end up happening was one day I woke up in a mental institution. I had no idea that I had tried to swallow an entire bottle of sleeping pills. And there was a note written by me, but it's not in my handwriting, but it is my handwriting. And Wait, explain that. Yeah. So... Apparently, I got really upset with my husband and wrote him a letter. And I know that I wrote it because I'm the only person who could have written it. And mm-hmm. he said that he found it where I did write it, but it did not look like my handwriting Gosh. at all. It looked like somebody else's. Mm. It kind of looked like my dad's. It was funny. Because that's just the state at that point yes. of mine that you were in is that you were kind of disconnected yes. from reality at that oh. point. You're kind of writing to someone else, speaking to someone else. Definitely. Not, not even remembering it. Not even remembering it. Wow. And the only number that I could remember to call in this hospital was my boss's number. And so I couldn't even remember my own fo- home phone number. So I called my boss's phone number and I said, um, I don't think I'm going to be at work on Monday. And this is what's happened. And how did I work today? And he goes, you did great. You did wonderful. You did the best job you've ever done. <laughs> and so then I'm thinking, okay, I have to be crazy to do my best work. But that's a whole different story. Okay. So, yeah. So you woke up in the institution. Yes. And then what happens at that point? How does I that go? Was, I was just in shock. I was in shock. And Wait, then, did you call your boss when you're in the institution? Mm-hmm. Is this like the psych ward institution? Yeah. What is this? This is psych ward. Institution sounds so sterile. Can we call it something else? Well, is that what psych we call ward it? doesn't sound great either. Yeah. I like psych ward better than institution. It's all the you same. Were somewhere so to, you were somewhere right. to get care. Yes. You needed care. Yeah. I was in a big room with a bunch of stretchers and told that I could not get up until I had been processed. Oh. Yeah. It and was, you're by yourself. Yeah. And a St. Patrick's Day. 
So there are a whole bunch of people in there because... Um, they didn't drink too much green beer. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. So I was scared. I was angry. I was shocked that I would ever do anything like that to myself because I'm not one that to go around thinking the world is terrible. I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself today. You know, it's just not, that's not how I think. Um, or I didn't think that way before. Who admitted you? Um, my husband came home. Well, let me back up. My sister, I had been texting my sister-in-law and I asked her a question I think I, I asked her if I if I kill myself, will God forgive me once I get to heaven? And then I turned the phone off, and she called my husband. My husband came to the house and took me to Care Now. Care Now sent an ambulance over and took me to the hospital. The hospital got me stable and then sent me to um, the the place, mm, okay. the hospital. So it was a it's a big process. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it's hard. And yeah. so you're there waking up, they process you, and then how long do you stay? I don't remember. How long did you stay in the I hospital? was there for a week. Yeah. I was there for a week. And then once I got once they gave me they put me on a new medication, an anti anxiety medicine. And once I was able to kind of process what had happened, how this new medicine was working. Um, I was able to go home. They had asked me a few days earlier if I wanted to go home. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I want to make sure that this is the right medicine and I'm doing okay. Because I'm sure, I mean, how did you feel waking up knowing that it happened and you don't have much of a memory? Like, what was Ugh. that was like? What was that like that they're telling you these things? I can't even describe it. I was scared out of my mind that that could have even happened. You know, I work in medicine. I see medicine work for many people. To know that you can have an effect like that, that I could have done something so outside of my realm of normal thinking, it was scary. And it scared me for a long time afterwards. It took a lot of therapy, talking to somebody, a professional, to get through that, to work through it. And then Celebrate Recovery helped a whole lot, too. Um, But it was scary. There are times that I still... I'll be somewhere in a public setting and I'll still afterwards ask my husband, Hey, did I say anything stupid? Did I do anything stupid? Can you just double check me? Because I, I lost sense of how I am in real life. I don't know if that makes sense. So like trust in yourself, right? Maybe the confidence, the confidence that the reality that I think is here is really what's going on almost a little bit. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine. That has to be really hard. PTSD from all that. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you, after, Mm -hmm. so you're there for a week. Mm -hmm. They finally say, okay, we think the medications are stable. So do you feel like when you were there, as you're explaining to them, to the doctors, I don't remember this. I don't feel like I would do this. I don't, do you feel like they believed you? Yes. Yeah. Well, and also because I had switched pharmacies. So the medicine that I was taking looked a lot like my blood pressure medicine. So I didn't put it in my container because I thought I already have blood pressure medicine. So I stopped it suddenly. And then it really messed with the serotonin levels in my head. And yeah, there's a reason you're yes. not supposed to cold turkey those you meds. You cannot huh? cold turkey them. Yeah. 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 So they believed me and they um, set me up with aftercare to, to help me work through that, which was great. 
So yeah. then you get to a place where you're stable and you yes. leave. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Then I go to intensive outpatient therapy where I'm going every single day in an outpatient setting, but it's still a group setting. And just learning about the brain and why we do the things that we do. Mm, but that was interesting. It was really interesting. One of the things that shocked me um, to get admitted, they had to do an, a, a not a psych exam, but almost like a neuro exam where they ask me three questions or they tell me three words. I'm supposed to remember these three words. And then they talk to me and then they come back and they're like, what are the three words that I told you? I'm like, just blank. (laughs) I can't remember them. Interesting. And they say that when you are stressed, when you are depressed, when you have things going on, just spinning in your brain, you can talk to people and you can have a a rational conversation, but it's like a fan blowing in your face. You can't see clearly through it. So that made sense. You just gave me therapy. I was thinking, through going, God, that's very helpful. I can think of many times in life (laughs) when I'm going, I feel like an idiot. Why can't I think of that? Because you're stressed. Because Because life is crazy. Because you have a fan in front of you blowing Mm -hmm. at a hundred miles an hour. Exactly. A big one. Huge. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That's such a good illustration. So did you feel like the things like that, like learning those kind of facts, did that help you like with the kind of filing things in your brain correctly yes. to where you didn't feel so weighted down by what had happened? Definitely. Definitely. I remember I felt extremely guilty to my family. Um, How old were the kids when all this happened? Oh, choo Let's see. It's been 10 years. Thanks. On, on so you said your oldest was 33. Yeah. So 23. 23. So they're, they're older. They're older, except for the younger two. The younger two are yeah. yeah. They're in our kids' area. Yeah. They're in elementary at that point. Right. Yeah. And I was just asking my husband about this event the other day, and I'm like, okay, so tell me about the day of, because I don't really remember that very well. And he goes, well, Nathan broke his ankle. He was outside on a skateboard, and I had to, and he had taken my daughter to get ice cream, and I went outside to take care of my son after I had taken all of these pills. <laughs> So he's like, your mother instinct still kicked in. You still took care of our child. <laughs> so wow. Like, oh, okay. So after you've taken all the sleeping pills, yeah. like you're still going out to help him. You come in yeah. and then Mark gets home at some point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Shortly after. Yeah. Wow. That is interesting. So you go through the outpatient. How long are you doing that for? Six weeks. Six weeks, which is going to outpatient every day, all day long? Every day for eight hours. Yeah. So do you think that helped? Tremendously. What are you doing outpatient? Tremendously. They teach you about about what's going on in your brain when things are disconnected. Um, like the fan thing you just talked the fan about. Thing. Yeah. They teach you how to process things, how to process information as it's coming mm-hmm. in so that you can see it clearly. And it's just, it's like rewiring, rewiring the brain's education, helping me feel like I'm not really the freak that I think that I am because mm-hmm. I did this weird thing. Yeah. You know, um, and just helping me to realize that I'm human. Um, I feel bad that I did this to my family. It's okay. It's not okay, but it's understandable. And But you didn't do it on didn't do purpose, it on purpose. Right. No. Let's make sure we clarify yeah. this. Did not do it on purpose. But there are you know, there are some people that will that do, do it on purpose. Yes. I used to think that it was the most selfish thing to do to try to attempt suicide. And what I've learned is you are not in your right brain when you are, when it happens. So oh. it's not selfish. You're not no. thinking of yourself. You're not thinking. You're not thinking. Yeah. Things are not connecting upstairs. Exactly. 
Exactly. So that feeling of being embarrassed, being ashamed shouldn't be associated with it if you didn't do it. Right. On purpose. Right. So you have to work through that. Right. And it's it takes a long time to work on it. I mean, this is the first time I've ever spoke po- publicly about it. Oh, thank so, you for well, doing this. I feel like it's important right now, especially with COVID and everything going around, you know. You're really holding it together well for the first time. Oh, I think you. I would be bawling. Well, have you had the discussion wow. in CR and Celebrate Recovery, though? I had the discussion there. I worked with the therapist for five years to go So you've been it. able to speak about it, right. just not to a whole lot of people, right. just not this right. in a public And it's form. nice to that you don't really see an audience. Exactly. It's just Debbie and I. <laughs> There's just the three. That is amazing. There's just the three of us here. <laughs> yes. That's, That's great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but it's it's crazy. And then when you think about it, when th- when times do get hard, there are little gifts along the way too. One of the gifts for my daughter, for my kids, you know, my daughter, she, it really affected her faith a lot. And my what husband, age is this? The youngest when you say daughter, my my third child. Your third, okay. yeah. So she would have been thirteen. Okay. And she asked my husband, you know, how could this happen? How could God let something like this happen? When mom goes to church, she talks about faith. She talks about all these other things. How could she do this? Mm-hmm. And about that time, there had been a storm and my husband, Mark, showed her a rainbow that was in the sky. And he said, God makes promises and he keeps them. That's a promise that he made. We have to trust that she's here and his promises that she's here for a reason. And so that helped her. And now, you know, 10 years later, she's leading a small group church at her, in her college town. And she's just, she impresses me with her faith. So the, just the little bitty things that you don't even think about, there are gifts in everything. Yeah, I like that story too, because so many times those things happen and we don't bring them back to God. Yeah. Like we kind of panic and we don't know what to do, but I think by your, your husband's wisdom to point it back to God and his promises and his goodness helped her because it could have been like a, I don't know, we'll talk about later, or I can't yeah. handle this right now. I'm still trying to figure out, or I'm, I'm mad that this is happening to mom too, or, yeah. or sad, but he was able to kind of rise above and point her back, which at the end, he's pretty okay like that. Sounds <laughs> like it. I love that. Well, and you guys have had to work through a lot of that. Cause like you said, there was a lot going on just yes. personally too, yes. and that kind of stuff that was, so did you end up in the outpatient everything else did you end up finding that you did have some tendencies towards depression or anxiety or what ended up kind of what was the yes. outcome there with I learned that I have struggled health. with anxiety my entire life and didn't know it those times when you know I'm going in front of a group of people and I feel my chest hurt that's that's the start of my panic attack um, when my side hurts that's a panic attack and it people have panic attacks. It doesn't mean that they don't have faith or they don't trust. It just means that sometimes they don't process things the same way. Like I see a crowd of people. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough to walk into that crowd and be part of them. It's not that, you know, I don't look at that group and say, oh, God is in there. It's okay. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, how am I so deficient that I can't I can't be with them. They're too pretty or, you know, mm. stuff that I've heard every, everybody at one point or time say out loud. I just used to say it in my head and not talk about it at all. And the not talking about it is the part that's dangerous. The not talking about it 
and telling another person is the part that really keeps you in that spin cycle. So how do you do with crowds now? I have to talk myself into it. What does that look like? Oh, <laughs> we just Tell, had that. Give us your self-talk. We just had that at the Super Bowl. Um, we were going to over to a friend's house, and I'm walking up to the car, and I'm like, there's a Porsche, there's a Ferrari. Well, you were evaluating, like, everybody by oh, their yeah. car. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to walk in here, and these people are going to be beautiful. They're going to be made up. and um, Fake eyelashes and Botox Central. Yes. Yes. And still be nice people, and that's not fair. <laughs> Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, or, and. Are you afraid they're going to judge you too? Do you put a judgment? Oh, definitely. Definitely have to have that little cherry on the top. Definitely. Because I know that I'm not, I'm not that good. Yeah. So how can anybody else think that I'm, that I'm good enough? Mm-hmm. You know, um, my internal message is always, I'm not good enough. Mm. And that's where, that's where I start to spin out. And that's where I tell my husband, I can't go in here. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to just go. I'll, I'll wait for you in the car. And he'll say, Stacy, you're doing it. You're doing it right now. Just breathe. Let's go in together. I'm with you. Oh. And that's huge. That yeah. that helps me get in the door. So is that how you got in the door here? That's how I got in the door. Party? Yes. And then the funny thing is I enjoyed these people so much. I wanted to stay. My husband was tired. He wanted to go home and go to bed. I'm like, no, we're staying. I just got warmed up. Come right. On. Right. I'm having fun talking to these people. They're nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You just got to get past the front door. Got to get past the front door. Okay. So, but where does that stem from? I'm sure you've had plenty of therapy on this mm-hmm. and counseling, but where does the idea that you're not good enough or you're not as pretty as everybody, where does that come from? Um, I was raised in an abusive household and so it was verbal abuse Mm -hmm. and it was always, instead of complimenting us, the way to parent was to say, um, I hope you're proud of yourself. You looked really dumb in there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was named. I want to cry for you. That is is horrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That is shocking to me. Sorry, I'm having a moment. Wow. Yeah. Well, and it was, it's hard for my mom too, because she was raised in a worse environment. Oh gosh. And you know, we, we try to break, we try to break chains with every generation Mm. and, you know, hopefully we, we do a little bit better than the generation before us. And she did, Mm -hmm. she did not beat us, which was great. Her parents, her, her dad beat her. And, um, my favorite story is, my name is Stacy. I was named after a doll and my whole life, my mom called me her little stuffed idiot. So, but that was her way of telling me that she loved me. It was. How long did it take you to process? That was her way of telling you loved you. About 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you're growing up and you hear that, you don't process. Oh, she, that's her way of saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I call my kids little turds. I still love them, but. Yeah. And hopefully they one day they won't them. resent me for that. Yeah. <laughs> they know that you love them. I know that my mom loved me the best that she could. Yeah. Might not have been what I needed, but it was the best that she could. She could do. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's yeah. very mature of you to get to that point, too. It's a lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a lot of work. It's, I get it. I'm telling you, therapy has changed my whole way of thinking. Therapy and then going to, like, the discussion groups like Celebrate Recovery. I did not. I lost all my trust in everybody, everything. And then going through Celebrate Recovery, the great thing is, I learned how to trust again, which mm-hmm. I didn't learn that in therapy. I didn't learn that anywhere else. But the teaching in there, the lessons that they do teach you that you can trust. You can trust God. 
and then slowly your your trust in people comes back. Mm. So can you tell us how something like Celebrate Recovery helped you do that? Yes. They have a they have not workshops, they're like classes that they do, a small group mm-hmm. class. And so through that you really get in depth with the Bible. You get in depth with um it teaches you that, you know, we were made for a purpose. And if we're made for a purpose, God loves us. And if God loves us, we're lovable. And so um, you also have a group of people that you're going through it together with. And as they speak, you hear them talk and you're like, I can I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. Okay, that's great. I'm going to try that next time. And it helps. It helps a lot. So it sounds like the um, community was big. Yes. Yes. We've been talking a lot about that here on our podcast, about just how big community is, whether it's recovery, whether it's just helping through current. What what do I mean by big? Okay. Um, Extremely valuable. Yes. Not size. Not size. <laughs> so I was trying to get you to explain a bit more. No, I'm not <laughs> talking about. Even though there's well, sometimes a big, lot of though. yeah, there's sometimes a lot of people there. Yes, but you divide into smaller groups <laughs> that are specific to what you're um, struggling with and yeah. that kind of stuff. And those are the small groups. I think yeah. Stacy, you were talking about yes. right. And I can tell you, if it was big in size, I wouldn't have gone. Right. right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wouldn't have gone into those smaller groups. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think. Um, when I hear about people talk about programs like CR, um, it, especially them being in church, mm-hmm. has been helpful because CR is a Christian organization. Yes. It does have 12 steps does have 12 that you steps. work, yeah. right? Um, but it's from a Christian perspective. And I know even there's another program called Steps that is even a different production yeah. kind of, um, but again, 12 steps. So talk a little bit then. Um, I'm interested to hear how did something like a secular program, like an outpatient mm-hmm. program, like hospitals, and then the church, like church community, Christian groups. How did those things work together well? So my favorite, yeah, my favorite group um, has been Al-Anon. And Al-Anon is for those who are, who have loved ones who are addicted to alcohol or drugs. And it teaches you how to cope with that. That's my favorite program ever. Oh, I love, I love it. it. We became... <laughs> We became unreasonable without knowing it. Mm-hmm. My favorite, my so favorite good. line in that. Um, but through that, um, I'm sorry. What did you ask? So no, how did they work together? <laughs> it was no, a big they together. Question. But yeah. the Al-Anon, yeah, yeah. like I'm interested. So you felt because that's a secular program, yeah. right? And so you felt like that helped you because of your parents, your family of origin. Was that so? The issue? It helped me because I was mad at God. Mm. And I didn't want to have anything to do with God when all of this thing first happened, because how could he lead me to do this? You know, kind of the same thing that my daughter was asking. Um, And I wanted something that didn't have anything to do with religion because I knew religion. I know the Bible. I grew up in a very legalistic church and I've, I've seen people become abused by, by legalism and so I didn't want religion to have any part of it, but I didn't mind. I didn't mind God having any part of it and re- learning how to reestablish my relationship with Him. And in Al-Anon, you have a higher power, and you can call your higher power whatever you want to. It is a very spiritual program, and it teaches you how to rely on God, my my higher power. Um, 
you know, how I can count on him, how I can trust him, how he can help me cope through it, how I can talk to myself. And he is right there talking to me through the whole thing. Um, the first step is to believe that there's a problem. The second time step is to rely on a higher power to help you through. And that seemed a little more compassionate to me than the religion that I've been through. So it's interesting, even a non, you know, a secular yeah. group, a non-Christian group totally says you need something greater than yourself to help you. You're Definitely. not going to do this by yourself. Right. We understand that God will help us. Right. But so tell me what you mean by saying you felt like that gave you more freedom there to heal and recover than the church did. Um, and we're saying again, universal church, not our church specifically, right. but universal right. church. Our church, you know, our church has helped me out tremendously too, because they, it is very compassionate here. This is where I learned about grace in the church that I grew up in. There was no grace. It was, you do everything by the letter of the law. You check your, your boxes. Um, there's one, for instance, that I can think of. We, um, had elders and in Timothy, it talks about how you each elder should have but one wife. Well, we had an elder who lost his wife, and he was asked not to be an elder anymore. Mm. And that crushed me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if the the church here is great in that they come up beside you lovingly, it's about relationship here, I feel like. Mm. The church that I grew up with, it was about check marks. It was about outward behavior. Yes. What you see. Yes. Yeah, that's hard. So when, um, so you're there and you're working through that part of it for you then Mm -hmm. that, and then at one point, do you feel like you could finally go, okay, I'm getting through this. I'm seeing the other side. I can talk about like, Mm -hmm. what did that start? How did you start recognizing that? Hey, I'm feeling like God's where I'm my, I'm recovering. Yeah. Like I'm I'm really moving forward. I'm I'm healing. healing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was Probably for um, in Al-Anon, it was probably around step eight, step nine. In Celebrate Recovery, it was all through it. Um, but I'd already done all of the other work, too. Mm. You know, talking to the therapist, all of it combined. I did. I talked to a therapist and did celebra- uh, Al-Anon at the same time. Were you going to meetings every day at the Al-Anon meetings? Once a once week. A week. Uh, sometimes twice a week, but mm-hmm. mostly once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, Therapy, I was going once a week for five years, mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. And then we tapered off. It was like every other week. And now it's just like, okay, when you're having a hard time, give me a call. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do. You know, you there, have to. Yeah. There are still Something. days that I, I spiral and I really just get down on, on everything. Mm-hmm. And I call them and I call her and it's great. That's good. Yeah. So um, how is Mark through all this? We haven't talked. We've, That's I mean, he sounds yeah, horrible. Family how dynamics. Did, yeah. How did, because um, you going to outpatient had to be uh, hard. Yeah. Every year coming home and just you're tired and you're, you're probably, you're sad, I'm sure. And just still you have two kids at home. Like, yeah. So how, how did all that He go? was a rock. He called my, my sister-in-law that I had been texting with. We were best friends before we were sisters-in-law. We just happened to marry brothers. <laughs> and um, he called her. She flew out from Vegas, and she stayed with him the week that I was in the hospital. And then when I was released, she went back home. So he had somebody there that he knew. He's known her almost her whole life. Um, 
you know, he had community by way of family that helped him and he was able to be there for me, which was amazing. I'm sure that he was scared. I wasn't working for most of those six weeks that I was in outpatient. Um, but he never made me feel bad about it. He never, he never complained about the lack of money or anything like that. Um, he was just, he was like, whatever we need to do, Stacy, whatever we need to do to get us through this. And it was an us thing. It wasn't a you thing, which mm-hmm. was great. So would you say if you're going to give anybody who's listening kind of advice, if someone's struggling, mm-hmm. like in similar circumstances or with mental health at all, yeah. you would say making it an us thing, I'm with you, is better than hey, saying things like, hey, you need to go get help. Yes. Because <laughs> this is your issue, this is your problem. <laughs> this yeah. is impacting my life. Go get better. <laughs> because it is an us issue. It affects everybody in the family. When there is one person who's struggling, it it directly touches everybody in the family and everybody can use some help getting through it, not just the person who's going through it themselves. And part of that is, you know, they're changing the, I changed the way that I behaved. I changed the way that I talked to them. I changed the way that I treated them and they didn't know how to react to that. And sometimes it was tough. They would, they would panic. And I remember the one time that my husband really had a hard time with it. I told him, you know what? I need to time out. We need to stop talking about this because it is too much for me. And I remember him saying, well, if you're not big enough to go to talk about it, that's fine. We'll take a time out. And then as soon as he said it, he realized and he came back. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, that's fine. We'll talk about it later. Mm. <laughs> and he came back later and we did talk about it. So, I mean, it's hard for everybody. Because at some point, because they're human. Yes. I mean, he's human. So at some point you're going to reach possibly a point of just breaking yourself. Yes. Where you're exhausted as yeah. well. So um, do you still go to CR? Um, I haven't been in a long time. So at this point, what is kind of maintenance or what is mental health or taking care of yourself look like then? Um, calling my therapist when I need to, taking, um, trying to reestablish, not even reestablish, but establish a healthy relationship with God and myself. So I, I take Bible, I do Bible studies whenever I can, um, I mean, yeah, we're in one right we're now. We're in one right now, and it's a great one. <laughs> it is helping me a lot. Oh, good. That's good yeah. to know. I called my therapist a couple of times through it. But <laughs> oh, no. Let's make sure you need clarification. She can think about her, right. her buckets or yeah. what are those called? The wells. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we're working. Sometimes I fall into that well a little bit too much, and so I call my therapist, and she's like, okay, what's going on? Let's talk about it. Okay, what can we do differently? I'm like, I know what I'm supposed to do differently. Just fix it. Yeah. She's like, no, you have to fix it. <laughs> you have to do the, t- the discussion, the talking. Yes. We've mm-hmm. actually had – I've had – we. I've had a couple of ladies who have said they've got into that study. And at some point they were like, I, I need, I'm going to have to take a break and do this yeah. a different time. It's too much. It's so, a lot. Yeah. It's really good though, because I can also look through there and see where God has been with me, where he has gotten me through. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's supposed to be asking good questions. It's supposed to be pulling them out, but yeah, they can be hard questions at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I still go back in my head as you tell the story. I still go back mm-hmm. to the doctor that gave you the antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's still it. practicing medicine. <laughs> he is. He's actually really. They're human. They make mistakes too. Yeah. I know, but do you? I mean, do you? Do you still take antidepressants? Are you on a different one? Like, how, I am. I, are you nervous? Were you ever nervous mm-hmm. about retaking one? Or I was nervous about going off of them. 
because when I quit cold turkey was when I had the problems. Okay. So I'm more scared about messing up that medicine and running out of it or anything like that. Mm. Um, But yeah, I am on an antidepressant in the morning and it started making me really amped up and angry. And so they put me on, I'm sorry, anti-anxiety in the morning and I had take a, a mild antidepressant at night. Okay. And it just, it just levels everything out for me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's what, that's where my head was like, oh, the one that said you need more. And then that's when you didn't realize what was going on. Yeah. When in fact I did need it, I just just didn't need that one or that type followed. Oh yeah. I needed when, what does that mean? Be followed. I needed to do mental checks with somebody while I was Uh taking that medicine, not just put it, not just take this medicine for something else because you were taking it for the from your side the side pain and so they weren't paying attention to to the the other other pieces of you that it could impact which i that is a you're right i mean that makes a good point going to a doctor that understands those different points is really important Yes. Weren't we yeah. just talking about this? We were with somebody else. We've had this, but I don't. That may be a podcast we're gonna draw. We haven't dropped yet. I don't know the order. <laughs> but this is what we were talking about: is that your yeah. general practitioner should not be prescribing anti-anxiety or, if or they those things. Do it should, it be, your should be in partnership with somebody else. Like yes. I know some yeah. that work in partnership with mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I just think that's a lot of times a good way to go. Yeah. Yeah. My general this part, Yeah, because somebody told us yep. sometimes she feels like they head it out like candy. Yep. Like they yep. just give it out so easily. But yeah. I feel like they're getting better about understanding side effects. So yes. maybe they're not giving it out so fast. Yeah. Well, I do think the patient is becoming more aware of I have to be an advocate for myself too. and yeah. I can't trust the doctors because they're too busy or they are not aware. And so they have to do their research. Yeah. yeah. Or they don't see do. me every week or every other no. week. Yes. They can't possibly know. Months. Months will go in between. Yeah. Months. Yeah. I mean, and then if you've had to change doctors or you've had specialists and they haven't Ooh. communicated, I mean, yeah. it's hard. So my GI doctor does prescribe my medicine now, but I was on it for a good five years before the um, my psychiatrist said, "Okay, your G- your your regular doctor, I don't need to follow you this on follow you on this anymore. It's working. You can you can stay with it with your other doctor. But if you need to change, call me back and we'll start over." Have you seen any of these symptoms in your kids? Yes. My daughter is on the same anti-anxiety medicine that I am. So what did it look like in her? And then how did you react when you started oh, seeing that? So I didn't realize what it was in her because I didn't realize what it was in me either. Mm-hmm. And so with her, it's more separation anxiety. She would pick at her skin when her dad would go out of town. She would pull out her cut clothes. She would have one big just lose it period where she would cry for an hour and she would not move. She would not talk. There was nothing that she would do. And um, I just, re- it, it was hard. And At what point did you go, this is not normal? After I was, after I learned about myself. Oh, okay. And so I took her to, to therapy. And that little rascal decided that she didn't like it, but she was <laughs> going to do it anyway, just to, just to please everybody. And now she is, she started on her graduate degree in, in psychology. She wants to be a a child therapist because she realized that it helped her tremendously. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, mom, for recognizing that, right? And taking those steps versus her having to live with that her whole life and not knowing what's going on. Well, now the other, the flip side of that is my oldest son has it also, has anxiety. I think 
everybody in my family has a touch of it. Um, Don't we all have anxiety? Yeah. Just it's a spectrum it. too. Just so many things are. There's so yeah. much nuance to everything. Yes. And it plays in with your family of origin too. Mm-hmm. So they're able to be successful and productive because they have you guys as parents yeah. versus having a home like you did yeah. that was so abusive. Yeah. So it could, I mean. Well, I, I say that everybody you know, does. Like you're like, my son yeah. has it. And I'm like, I feel like it's, it shouldn't be a stigma. Yeah, that's that was my intent. Exactly, I think, and I guess should, and, we I, all, and I think how. that's true. And it shouldn't be a stigma at all. I just think that some people have more of a propensity for Absolutely. it. And so depending on the yeah. environment you're in, it could get worse, or that could help ease it, or you mm-hmm. could have access to things that are more helpful or not. I mean, Definitely. that kind of stuff. Well, when you think of your fight fight or flight mechanism, yeah, for people with anxiety, we don't fight or flight. We just completely shut down. <laughs> Froze, fro- freeze, 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 freeze. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. faint now too. Really? Yeah, they added that one. Wow. I just found that out recently. Is that the number five one? Yeah, there's five. Flight, freeze, faint. There's another F. Fight, flight, freeze. I'll Google that. <laughs> on the phone, I just dropped on yeah. the ground. But I have, you know, I have two ch- two kids that cope a whole lot better than the rest of us. So thank you, fathers, for that. Um. My oldest son, I really think that he had anxiety and we just didn't know it. Um, and he turned to other methods of self-medication. Of coping. Of coping. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a struggle too. Right. Around, yeah. For a long time. I remember oh, that around was that same one. time. Yeah, yeah. That was hard. You had a lot pouring into you at that time. Yeah. There was a lot going on. Yeah. So I can see how just at some point. I mean, I can see it physically, which is seems sounds like that's how it showed itself originally physically was mm-hmm. in the pain in your side. Yeah. Um, so if, you know, somebody's listening right now, we always like to kind of hand out these little nuggets from our stories. Um, what would you suggest as far as if someone's saying, I physically have headaches every day or I have a pain in my side or there's something I don't know why it's going on or I'm feeling sad. I don't know where to go with this. Like what, what would you suggest for them? Lovingly come aside them, ask them, is there anything else in your life going on that you want to talk about? And, you know, if it, if it turns out that there is something and it's over your head, be able to say, this is too much. I don't know how to take care of this, but I want to make sure that you get the help that you need. Let's find out how to do that. And find somebody to help them rather than trying to fix them or um, just brush it aside. Or get mad at them. Did your friend get mad at yeah. you? She did. <laughs> she We're did. not faulting her. She didn't know. But no. Well, I said forward. something really nasty to her and she got mad at me. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to know. Yeah. Sometimes that is the change in behavior. Like you're saying, seeing them and you're our, we want to fight back too, yeah. instead of taking the minute to go, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. There's something else going on here. Yeah. I have this to is- love this person enough to look past. Right. The harsh words and realize this is not typical. Right. Like this. We do our own heart check. You know, every now and then we check our own heart and say, is what I'm doing right or is it wrong? But sometimes it's okay to do a heart check for somebody else and say, oh, that's a little off. What's what's going on? Let's let's dig. Heart check. I like that. Is that like a family thing you do? (laughs) My sister-in-law is the one that taught me that. And. If we ever got mad at each other, she goes, Stacy, I know your heart. I love you. <laughs> Let me just so you use like cue or like heart. You yeah. would use heart in that conversation. Yeah. And now we're doing a heart check. Yeah. 
could dive into that more. I'm intrigued by that. Christy's percolating on that now. <laughs> I know. How great gonna, is like, that? Like when yeah. you're in a situation. Let's do a heart check. Let's do what a you heart thinking? check. Like, but then you have to know yeah. the person. I know are the words to use mm. that follow that. Like what if someone said, let's do a heart check, what would you say? What's a normal response? Well, I probably wouldn't say, let's do I know, a heart check. But yeah. make it sound yeah. pretty. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's see. Or normal. Whatever. No, no, no. Um, I would just say, hey, you want to go to coffee? You want to sit and talk? Is there anything else going on? You know, what? tell me about what's going on in your life. What's, you know, because a lot of people will just compress it all and it comes out one way or another. And I learned that that's kind of what I was doing. I was stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. And it was coming out. It was coming out my side. It was coming out of my mouth. It was coming out everywhere. Mm. So um, I would just like. If, if I felt like you needed, a, if I felt like we needed to check, do a heart check for mm-hmm. you, I would just come by and say, hey, Christy, what's up? How's everything going? You want to sit and, and talk for a little bit? Um, I've been known to go to my family and just say, hey, I've got this problem. I was wondering if you can help me. Um, I just seem agitated all the time. And it helps them open up about how they're agitated, too. Oh, that's tricky and good right there. Well, you know, we always tell like our kids, that. if you need to get out of anything, blame me. Tell, tell oh, them we do that, that too. Yeah. I think some so. friends think I'm a horrible person, but whatever. No. We know how your kids are like, my mom <laughs> totally. won't let me go. My mom and I'm like, just keep blaming me. Yeah. That's I won't right. look at that mom in the eye ever again. She probably thinks I'm a horrible person. <laughs> well, she's probably done it with you too. You just yeah, didn't know. Probably it. True. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's good. I like that. Yeah. And that's that's funny. Yeah. check. So, um, you guys, mm. status of your family right now? What's everybody doing? Heart check of your family. Heart check of oh, your family, for say. Good. How's everybody going? My son has been 10 days clean, which is huge for him. He hasn't been clean in three years. Mm. Um, and he's doing it all by himself right now. Does that make you nervous? It used to, but now I have peace with it. Because I learned a long time ago the three C's. I didn't cause it, I can't cure mm-hmm. it, and I can't control it. Is that so, so freeing? Uh, so freeing. My favorite part of so that So freeing. <laughs> and, you know, just having faith in God and trusting God. I know that he has a plan for my son, too. It might not be what I want, but it's what he needs. Mm-hmm. And I need to let God do his time. So that's been huge. Um, just being able to be there with him through it and be happy for him and hearing him, you know, him hearing me say, I'm proud of you mm-hmm. is is big. Um my daughter is in New York. She's getting married in August. In New York? In Michigan. Okay. In Michigan. And then my other daughter is in Arkansas. She's starting her graduate degree. Um, and she's working for the college. They're paying for 90% of it. It's great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It is great. She got off the payroll and she got hired on somewhere else. It's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. High five. And then my 19-year-old is going to College Station next year. He wants to be a firefighter. Yeah, they have a yeah. great firefighter school there. Oh, I hope yeah. so. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's really good. She looked at when she said that. I hope so. I hope so. Well, he he's also told me that he's going to meet a lot of honeys. Well, I'm going to tell you, as a girl who went 10 day in, we always loved it when the firefighter conference was in town. I got to say, that was fun. You always knew, because all of a sudden there was a lot of good looking firefighters everywhere. I don't mind if he gets a honey as long as she encourages him to stay in church. There you go. There you go. Get a like minded honey. That's right. He's really yoked, like minded, all those words. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, Stacy, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. We super appreciate it. So we thank hope you. it wasn't too 
horrible. We hope we made it relatively easy for you to share. This was actually very freeing. Oh, good. (laughs) We like that. I hope it can benefit somebody somewhere. Were you nervous coming in like you were nervous walking in that party with the Porsche and the Ferrari and the Botox people? Definitely. I was more nervous last week, and then it got canceled because of the eye. So Uh I was like, okay. And then maybe they won't ask me again. Yeah. Dang it. There's a text. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Asking again. It's like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. That's, (laughs) but that's the attitude we should have. That's it right there, right? Like, use me, use my story, do with what you want with it, and I have no control over it. Right. All I can do is be a vessel. Yeah, because we're all a mess. <laughs> we're all a mess. We're just all a mess. But so. messes are so much fun. I agree. Well, and God's in it. Yeah, God makes beauty out of the mess. We don't. God does. So that's an amazing thing. It We'd is be boring without a me- being a mess right? too. Yeah, it's so boring. Yeah. Jeez, the Garden of Eden would have been so boring. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, Christy. <laughs> you know I'm kidding. We do know you're kidding. <laughs> um, okay, well. That's it from us. We just um, wanted to say thank you to Stacy again. So thank you, everybody, for listening, too. Um, until next time, we'll see you next week's ev- week, everybody. This is Noisy Narratives out. Bye. Watch what happens now.